Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Today the church is giving us a strong message. It's giving us the message of do we believe that Jesus really is life? Do we believe that Jesus really is life? And if we believe that Jesus really is life, then what are the, what's the impact that it's supposed to have on our life? We say over and over and over again, you are the life of us all, you are the hope of us all, you are the healing of us all, and you're the resurrection of us all. And in fact, when you look at this altar, those of you who pray First Liturgy, you get the opportunity to see this icon of the resurrection. Now this is, I like praying at this altar very much, because my favorite part of this icon is you see what Christ is doing? He's grabbing the hands of those who are in death. He's rescuing them. He's rescuing them from their situation, which no matter how righteous they were, no matter how good they were, no matter all the good deeds that they did, they were still, the byproduct was death. Now when you look through all the readings of the church today, there's this very strong message, starting with Hebrews chapter 3 from the Pauline epistle. It talks about the people in the wilderness when they were leaving Egypt, and how time and time again, the Lord would do miracle, sign, and wonder amongst them. And they would tempt him, it says. Or they would provoke him. They would say, we left Egypt for you to bring us into the wilderness and to die. If I am life, no matter where you go, there's nothing that will bring death to you. I'm able to bring water from a rock. I'm able to, ba- to rain quail from heaven. I'm able to split seas. I'm able to do in every situation where you think it's hopeless and where there's only death, I'm life. I am life. St. Paul says, do not be like the people of Egypt. The people who left Egypt and found themselves in the wilderness and they didn't believe that the source of life was with them. So time and time again, they provoked him. And time and time again, they lost the blessing of being able to, to see the promised land. How many people entered into the promised land? Two. Two. Of all the people that left Egypt, why? You saw him split a sea. You saw him let water come out of a rock. You saw him rain quail. You saw him do thing after thing after thing. You go to the Catholic epistle from the book of Jude. How many chapters is Jude, by the way? One. Good job. Good job. Pop quiz. And you see, it talks about that the Lord is coming to execute judgment and convict all who are ungodly. And he speaks about the, the grumblers, the complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they, their mouth, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to take advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers, people to try to mock death, people to, to say that this isn't really what it is, that Jesus really didn't rise, that Jesus isn't who he is. In the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy 
faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and onto what? Eternal life. Look at Acts. Life, life, life. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, what is to break bread? This is, they, they say this is the first Eucharist, Eucharistic meal after the Last Supper, or one of the first. We don't know exactly. But St. Paul is the first documented one of St. Paul bringing the apostles together on the first day of the week and bringing them together to break bread. And then all of a sudden, you find this guy named Eutychus, who St. Paul's preaching for a long time. Hopefully, I don't do the same thing to every single one of you. St. Paul's preaching for a long time, and then the people fall asleep. Eutychus falls asleep, and he falls from, the th- from, I think, the second, third story, and is taken up dead. But Paul fell down, went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, do not trouble yourself, for his life is in him. Those who die, there is always life in them when Christ encounters them, and when Christ comes into their brokenness and brings healing. And when he had come up, they had broken bread and eaten and taken a long while, even till break, daybreak, he departed. Let's now go look to the gospel. But before we look to the gospel, let's go to look at the psalm. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness. What's the reason why people doubt is they don't make known the faithfulness of the Lord. They forget the things that the Lord is doing. What did the people of Israel do when they were in the wilderness? They forgot the Red Sea splitting. They forgot the Passover. They forgot. It's easy for us when we're in the middle of circumstances to ask the Lord to do something, to do a miracle, and say, Lord, come in, fix the situation, heal, do something. And he does it, and then a few weeks later, what do we do? We forget. Forget. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will make known his faithfulness. For who in heaven can be compared to you, Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to you, Lord? Let's go to the gospel. Jesus exhorts those... We've been reading John 6 for a long time in the church right now. John 6 is the famous gospel. Starts off with the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and the two fish, feeding the multitudes. And then it finishes off with the bread of life which came down from heaven. And many of his disciples, when he said, I am the bread of life, he who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood will live forever, many of them left him. Many of them left him. And then he looks to his disciples and he says to them, do you two want to leave? And he says, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, Lord. To whom else shall we go? We've tried. We've labored for the food that perishes. We've labored for the things that we think are going to bring us healing. We've labored for things that we think are going to give us satisfaction We think that the things that we have will give us meaning, but time and time again, time and time again, Lord, we find ourselves bankrupt and empty, trying to fill ourselves with things that we know bring us nothing. So Jesus tells them, he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the things which will lead you to everlasting life. And what do they do? (laughs) Verse 30. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then? Did you just not see the feeding of the 5,000? Some people say it's up to upwards of 15,000 people because it's not including women and children. Did you not just see the miracle? Easy for us to judge these people. Easy for us to say, because they have no faith. Easy for us to criticize them and to judge them. 
But what about me? How many miracles has God shown me? How many times, just by the sheer fact that we woke up this morning, is that not a miracle? Just by the sheer fact that we are able to come into this church and pray freely, is that not a miracle? Just by the sheer fact that we have the capacities to do the things that we do, is that not a sheer miracle? Just by the fact that we have loved ones who care about us, is that not a miracle? What happens if right now we were in Gaza? Right now, if any of us were in Gaza right now, would we be saying thank you, Lord, or would we be cursing the Lord? How many of us in the midst of trials do we look to the Lord and say, I remember your faithfulness of the past. I remember your faithfulness in the past. Because you are faithful in the past, you surely will be faithful in the present. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Even if the whole world turns around, falls apart around me, you are with me. Even if the hardest of circumstances I endure, I know for certainty you are with me. Because you've always been with me and there's not a moment or a second or a time in which you won't be. But Lord, I've tried. I've tried time and time again and I fall short. I've tried time and time again to walk in this newness of life. I've tried to walk time and time again believing that you have life for me. And I find myself resorting back to the same old habits. I find myself going back to the old death that always stole, steals away from me the joy. I don't believe it anymore, Lord. I don't believe that there's hope for me. If you don't believe there's hope for you, you don't believe there's hope in the resurrection. If you don't believe there's hope in you, in any of us who are in the deepest and most darkest of circumstances, if you don't believe in hope in your circumstances, then you don't believe in the power of the resurrection. Because this, the God of the universe being crucified on a cross, seems like a hopeless circumstance. We thought that you were going to redeem us. We thought that you were going to be the one who is the Messiah. And how do we find you on a cross now? How do we find you on a cross not being who we thought you said? You said whoever eats of your flesh and drinks of your blood will live forever. How can we now? You're on a cross. You died. Three days later, he says, death has no power over us. That's why we say in the holy 50 days, what's the hymn that we say over and over and over again? Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. And to those who are in the tombs, to those who are in the tombs, who are deep in the tombs, he's pulled them out. He's rescued them. There's hope for every single circumstance. Whether there is brokenness in our families, there's hope, in our, hope there. Whether there's brokenness in our relationships, there's hope in there. Whether I've been living in sin for a long period of time, there's hope there. Whether I am waiting for a miracle, and believing that God has left me in this circumstance for a long time, there's hope there. There's always hope. Because you are the life of us all, the hope of us all, the healing of us all, the resurrection of us all. You are our hope. And that's why we come over and over and over and over and over again to this Eucharistic table. We come to this table saying, Lord, we're living in death. We're struggling. But when I have you in me, when you dwell in me, when you fill me, I have the capacity in you to overcome all things. The problem with many of us is we don't believe. We want another miracle. Is this not the greatest miracle? Think about it for a second. The God of the universe, the one who speaks the world into existence, humbles himself to the medium of bread and wine. 
Focus with me for a second. The God of the universe, the one who speaks everything into motion, humbles himself to this altar for what purpose? For you and me. Because he wants us to live in life. He doesn't want us to continue in the journey of death. And he says, come, come, I'm going to make a pledge to you. I'm going to make a pledge to you that if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will live forever. But it's according to your faith. If you think this is nothing, if it's just something that you do, it will be nothing. That's why many ate from the five loaves and the two fish, and they were filled, and their bellies, they were satisfied, and they walked away from him. Because they just came for food. They just came for a miracle. They just came for a transactional relationship with God. They didn't come to him for him alone. My question to myself, first and foremost, do I come to him for him alone? Lord, I don't want anything. I want nothing. I don't want a miracle. I don't want you to add more zeros to my bank account. I don't want you to fix my relationship with so-and-so. I want you to just let me fall deeply and madly in love with you. And if I fall deeply and madly in love with you because you deeply and madly already love me, then how much life will come into every portion of my life? How much will your presence in my life change my circumstances? I can only say that from experience. I can only say that from my own experience. I can only say that, that I was very far away from the Lord for many years. And I encountered him and my life was forever changed. And I believe that any single, every single person who comes into this church, there is potential, there is hope, there is life, there is resurrection. And that's why all of us as believers in the church, we ought to believe the same. So when you see somebody walking in, you don't look at the outward appearance of man. You look at the potential. You look at the saints. If somebody were to see St. Moses, the strong, walk up to them in the modern day, they'd say, who is this thug, this murderer, this gangster? And look what happened. He became the great St. Moses, the strong. If somebody were to look at St. Mary of Egypt, if St. Mary of Egypt were to walk into our church today, would they believe in the life that she would become the great St. Mary of Egypt? Look at all the saints on this left-hand side of the wall. The Samaritan woman, St. Fotini, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, every single one of them who meets the Lord walks away with life. Do you believe that life can come into your circumstances today? Don't labor for things which won't fill. Don't labor for things that will leave you feeling more and more empty. I promise you, you could taste every single thing this world has to offer. And that's why you find people in the wealthiest of wealthiest circumstances still trying to grasp for something to give them satisfaction. There's only hope and healing and life in him. So may we come to him today with whatever death we're living in, whatever circumstances are going on in your life. Come to him today and say, Lord, I need you. You are the life. You are the salvation. You are hope. You are resurrection. Take my hands as you do with these two. They say this is Adam and Eve. Come rescue me like you rescued my forefathers who were in the tombs. Pull me, grab me from my wrists and pull me into life because I can't do it on my own. And if you try to do it on your own, time and time again, you will desperately fail. Come to him and let him be the source of power, the source of strength, and the source of encouragement. And look towards each other and see the saints 
that are amongst us sitting in this congregation today and the many that one day will be in this congregation that were far off and came to the life-healing presence of the Lord and their lives were forever changed. May we all live in that hope, that victory, that the resurrection, this day and every day. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.